You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. And welcome, everybody, to episode number eight of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong, and here today with us is Brian Butler. He is a career Army officer turned businessman. He served 22 years in the Army. He's a Desert Storm vet and has been to 68 other countries with the Army. He also served on the Homeland Security Council in the White House. Today, he's the CEO of Vistra Communications. That's a a mid-sized marketing communications firm near Tampa, Florida. He retired from the Army in 2006, which means he built his business during the last recession. And given where the economy is now, we're going to get into that a bit in the show because I think it'll be helpful to a lot of folks. Mr. Brian Butler, welcome to the show, sir. Frank, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to join you today. Awesome. Well, we always uh, get right down to business. So let me ask you the first question of the day, and that is, what um, what got you interested in joining the Army? There was a commercial back in the late 70s, Frank. There was actually two. And you, you're, you're shaking your head, so you likely remember those commercials. One was uh, Be All You Can Be. <laughs> yeah. And another one was Join the Army and See the World. And I did just that. So uh, I went through the Reserve Officer Training Corps program in college. Hampton Institute in Virginia, and I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in 1984. Uh, awesome. Um, and you didn't, you definitely got to see the world with 68 countries. So what did you do in the service? What was your job? I started off as a chemical defense training officer. Uh, one of those career fields that people just did not like because of uh, you get to gas people and do things like that. But I had a wonderful, wonderful career. I commanded a mechanized smoke company in Desert Storm. I worked in the White House. I worked for a chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I was a spokesperson for an Army secretary, you know, so and I ran a I commanded a large depot. So I had lots of great different experiences. And I ended my career working on the Homeland Security Council in the White House, where I was the bio, director of biodefense policy and helped uh, write our first pandemic influenza plan. Oh, well, that's uh, perfect timing, given where we are today. It's not every day that you meet an officer that served in the White House. Tell us a little bit more about it. How did you get there and, and what were what was kind of the roles and responsibilities? Purely by accident is how I got there. You just, things lined up. You know, I had a background in Kim Bio defense and training. Also had a background as a public affairs officer. Those two things melded right in the middle. My boss walked in one day and said, hey, I got to send somebody to the White House and I think it's you. I had graduated from the, the National War College. I was a not sure if I was going to stay in. I was already selected for colonel. And she said, Brian, go do this. You know, the nation needs you. Go do it. That was her way of saying, you're going to go do it. <laughs> but that, that ended up being just a great, wonderful experience for almost 24 months. Mm-hmm. What were the hours like in that position? It was a grind. It was just an incredible grind. We, Our job was to do something that had not been done before. A small team of us really look at how the nation would prepare itself for a large pandemic. And about eight of us, you know, we went through modeling. We had experts come in on every subject tied to logistics and planning and looked at the nation as a whole, all of our supply systems, supply chains, how would we get medical equipment out to different areas of the country. So it was very intense, long days, and it was not uncommon at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night to get a note that says, hey, the president would like to have this at seven tomorrow morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
which meant you went back to work. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I'm almost waiting for the phone to ring in the background there as we're <laughs> as we're talking, given the experience. But it builds character. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> All things considered, what was your your worst day in uniform, and and what was your best day? Without a doubt, my worst day in uniform was bearing a soldier. You know, there's just nothing ever compares to that. Uh, I was fortunate that the whole time I was in command, I didn't lose a soldier. But a month later, you know, unfortunately, we lost a soldier. You know, although I was no longer the commander, many of the troops looked at me as their commander because I had taken them to combat and brought them all back safely. And then we we lose a soldier. So uh, a funeral of that magnitude was just hard to wrap your arms around. Without a doubt, that was my worst day in the Army. One of my worst days. I can imagine. And how about the flip side of that? What was your best day? I had so many great days. I'm not even sure how to answer that. I just had a wonderful, wonderful Army career. Army gave me education. It gave me great training. It gave me great opportunity and experiences. I got to hang out with some of the best young men and women in the whole world, part of our United States Army. I got to travel around the world with the Secretary of the Army and see them in places like in Bosnia and all over Europe and Korea and lots of other places. So I just had so many wonderful, great days in our Army. And not a single one that stands out. Not an assignment to the White House? That was an interesting time. I would not call that my best day in uniform because it's not one of those things you sign up to do, but you just go do when you ask to go and do it. Yeah. What are some of the big major lessons you think you learned over your career? What did the service teach you? Oh, the service really helped me become a more disciplined individual in everything that I do. It really helped me to plan, organize you know, do good research, not just go fly off in a direction, but to really be prepared and have a plan for just about everything that I do. And I use those, I use those tenets and traits and I use those things today. Mm -hmm. And then what was the transition like? Like, when did you decide that you had enough, you're tapping out after 22 years? And what was your plan then? You know, 22 years in the Army, selected for full colonel, thought I was going to go do some other things. And I was reading a book called Purpose Driven Life for the second time. And it hit me that I was really supposed to be doing something else at that point in my life. So I literally resigned my commission. You know, I enjoyed every day in uniform. I had a great time, but I felt like I was going one direction. My kids are going in another. It was time to invest back into them. So I, I resigned before I pinned on full colonel and I actually did not have a job. I had to go look for one. And what was that like? What, what did you have even an inkling of an idea? Like, I mean, I saw, for example, in, in your in your LinkedIn profile, you did a year with Fleshman Hiller. Yeah, right? I did a year with Fleshman Hiller as a, as a young major in the train with industry program. So that had given me some exposure, how I could use what I learned in the Army and, and use it in corporate America. And in fact, those experiences shaped the way we run our business today. But when I retired from the Army and, and went out and thought I'd found a great job and couldn't find it in 2006, uh, it was very humbling, very, very humbling. We actually got to a point where I just said, hey, if I can't find the right job, maybe I should create one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for anyone listening that isn't familiar with Fleshman Hillard, that's one of the largest top 10 public relations firm in the United States. And they're a global firm. They have offices all throughout yeah, the world. They're a global firm. Magnificent firm. I still talk with some of the folks in there, you know, on a regular basis. Just fantastic firm. Great people. They see problem sets differently than most of us in uniform see problem mm -hmm. sets. Yeah, I imagine a great experience. I was talking with Fred Willman, who was on the show before, and I think you know him. He did something like that. When I was in a graduate program in, in Washington, D.C. in 
2000, 2001, there was a couple of majors going to American University on the on the Army. It's a similar similar program, right? And they were going to branch transfer to public affairs. So, did that have an influence on why you chose the line of business that you're in? Or yeah, it, it absolutely did. You know, when I when I retired from the military, I, I wasn't real sure what I was going to do, but as I couldn't find a job and I, you know, went back to what is it that you know, what is it that you believe you could do well, I kept coming back to that. You know, and those experiences at Fleischmann, those experiences as a spokesperson for an army secretary and on the on the communications team for a chairman. I kept coming back to that. So I thought it may have something to do with that because I really, really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And give us a sense today, like you we called you a mid-sized firm in the intro, but you're not a small firm. How many people do you have? kind of industries that you serve and give, give listeners a sense for the size. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I give you a perspective. I started the company out of my house in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009 were really tough years in our country. I actually thought I had made a huge mistake by starting to, trying to start a company, but we grounded out, you know, in, in about 2009, 2010, we were put in a position to hire a couple of people. And our first clients were small business, small nonprofit, mostly providing media relations, training, things of that nature, mm -hmm. primarily focused on public relations. And year after year, we start to grow and take on more experiences, more people with capabilities, they enhance our for portfolio. And then we went into the federal government and local state government space. And between the today, our clients range from small mom and pops. We have uh, Fortune 100 clients like ExxonMobil and AT&T and Coca-Cola. And we have quite a bit of local state government clients. And we also have about 65% of our portfolio is federal government. So we're, we're just shy of 100 employees, or we call them team members. We, we all work together. Nobody works for me, we work together. Mm -hmm. And we and and we just, we've been fortunate to survive the, the hard times of what's going on right now with, with COVID-19 by being a good team and providing good services. Yeah, I gotta think like anybody that starts a business is taking a risk, right? There's an element of fear there, you're not getting a check anymore, you're on your own, you're making an investment in your own. But you know, one of the reasons why I looked you up is I you had this interview with Yahoo Finance and you talked a little bit about starting your business during the last recession, the Great Recession, as they called it. And it looks like, you know, I don't know if we're in a recession now, but it looks like we're headed towards some hard economic times, certainly throughout 2020. What advice would you have for other veteran business owners about opening or maintaining a business in that kind of environment? Yeah, be thoughtful and have a plan. Don't try to do this by yourself. You know, I'll tell you, right after the events of COVID-19 happened, one of the first things I did was reach out to my banker. We have a banking relationship, with, not just with the bank. And we talked about what this perhaps could mean for us based on my knowledge of working pandemic in the White House and the things that we thought we should be doing to prepare, preserve capital, preserve cash, make some tough decisions around the country to, you know, dig and prepare to be there for a while. And that's how our mindset is every day. We were looking at, you know, ways to make sure that we were prepared to, you know, live and fight another day as a business. So, you know, I think those fundamental basic things are so important right now. We won't stay here forever, but unfortunately, we're losing lots of small businesses around the country. You know, I serve on a different, couple of different panels and, and working groups to help get businesses back into business again. And it's just these numbers out here are devastating for many, but I wake up every day and run hard and fast and try to seek good advice and counsel 
from others, not Facebook, <laughs> but from others that know what they're doing, know what they're talking about and make good sound decisions. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd ask him back, how do you think the military has helped you? I guess even, you know, in a business, but also in sort of these challenging times and dealing with the uncertainty, if you will. Yeah. You know, when the military teaches you to train and prepare and understand options out there and make the best decision possible at that moment in time. So that those things apply right now in what we do every day. I wake up every morning, say a prayer, and thank God that we're still in business. And I try to gather as much information as I can for our staff, try to make good, you know, that help feed into making good long-term decisions for our company. And I do that religiously every day. I go through the same routine, you know, and I try to figure out what is the environment telling me about our business today? I need to call my clients. I need to make sure I'm adding value every day and not assume. You know, we've lost some clients right now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I hope they're temporary, but you know, hope is not a method. So we have to keep planning as though, what if those clients don't come back? So let's go out and find some more. Somebody needs our services right now. Who are they? So, and that's the attitude we take with our client, with our team and our leadership team in the company to go out and let's figure out who needs us. How can we help others? And where should we be making a difference in the lives of others? And if, if I can, Frank, I'll give you one example. Sure. We had done a branding project for the city of Albany, Georgia, uh, several years ago. Got to know the folks there, the city manager, the commissioners, et cetera. I picked up the paper one day and I'm reading how devastating this virus has been for Albany, Georgia. But nobody knew because all the tension was in New York. So I called him. We got involved. No contract. We just said, we're going to do this and help. We put together a series of PSAs, public service announcements, some other online campaigns, provided some counsel, got them some media attention outside the Albany area, really focused on driving resources, driving doctors and nurses and medical equipment into the hospital in Albany, Georgia, mm-hmm. and really focused on driving donations in there. There were the people there were, you know, at one point, the rate of infection was the highest in the country. Huh. And the rate of deaths was the highest per capita in the country. And most people didn't know that. So we got in and got involved and just rolled our sleeves up and helped. All right. That's amazing. So one of the questions that I like to ask Brian is the same one I asked about your time and services. What was your best day? Let's do the inverse of that. What was your worst day in business and what was your best day in business? Without a doubt, my worst day in business, I was going to a bank and asked for a loan and I couldn't get it. And I thought we had done everything right. I thought our numbers were good and I was just devastated and we needed that loan. And we need that loan for some growth and expansion. And I just felt like, you know, somebody had taken a hammer and just hit me on top of my head because I had so much riding on that. And when we couldn't get that loan, it just reminded me of something that I tell other people, but I hadn't really done it for myself. I thought I had a banking relationship. I later realized I just had a bank. Uh So we moved our bank to a banking relationship with the local community bank. And we now have a banking relationship. So without a doubt, that worst day in business turned into a, a better day for me down the line. We, you know, we own our own building now. We've done some neat things. We've been able to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt, definitely one of my worst days in business. And your best day? There's been a few. One, we celebrate all wins. The ones that probably mean the most to me, you know, every client matters. Every client matters. But winning our first prime federal government contract was just a great, great feeling because it proved that we could. And when in our first, you know, we won a small project with Exxon Mobil. Mm-hmm. 
And for us to have a big company like that, as in it, it wasn't a huge project, but the fact that we could win work with ExxonMobil which just was a really, really good day. And I think it probably gave the members of our team the confidence that they could. And they probably really needed because we had win in smaller projects. We're winning mid-sack, but we had never won anything with a Fortune 100, a Fortune 10 client. Yeah. So without a doubt, that was, that was a great day. And a lot of folks think that's impossible anyway, because the conventional wisdom in the business world is that big companies do business with other big companies. So small or medium-sized companies have a really hard time getting in at a, at a big company like a Fortune 10. I got to think the government is the same way because anyone that's ever looked at a government contract and tried to bid on it, it's just incredibly confusing. There's usually, you know, five or six documents that come along with the proposal and they're, you know, they're not easy ones. There's spreadsheets and stuff in there. That's a big win for sure. Frank, I was so naive on the federal government side of actually winning work. I actually called a contract officer and she answered the phone and I said, we can do this. She said, well, give me some examples where we've done this before. I said, I don't have any, but we could do it. <laughs> And she said, okay, why don't you take this class <laughs> and really learn about how to do business with the federal government? And there's some other resources out there for you. So I, I laugh about that today, but I was just so naive thinking that, yeah, we could do that. It's a science unto itself. And some of these larger companies that win contracts, you know, they have specialists that are solely focused on government business. Let me ask, we're, we're kind of getting towards the end here. Given, you know, how things do look uncertain, what advice would you have for veterans today that are thinking about making a transition, whether that's opening up their own business or, or trying to get into the business world at, at this point in time? I'd say use your resources. You know, talk to people that have done it. Read, use the Internet, and don't go at this alone. In the military, you learn some really good things in a structured system. But you have to take some of that structure when you decide to do this on your own and develop those same structural habits because you could be all alone. You know, I was sitting in my house for a couple of years without a team, just trying to figure all this out by myself. But then I got out of there and started going to places, networking, figuring out how to be a good subcontractor and lots of things like that that really helped me. So do not try to do this by yourself. Reach out and get help from somebody, whether you're transitioning from the military or starting a small business. It can be done if you don't try to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. And speaking of help, if someone listening to the show has a question, would like to connect with you, ask you about some of your experience, where can people find you online? Yeah, the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Or you could email us, you know, Brian with an I at consultvistra.com. I'll likely say, hey, let me shoot this over to my executive assistant and help, have her help facilitate it because I'm running hard all day long. So she's one of the few people that can control me because she controls my calendar. As my kids will tell you, if it's not in my calendar, it's not in his life. <laughs> we'll put uh, links to that in the show notes and uh, links to your business and to your, your LinkedIn profile so people can look you up. I want to say, just, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience. These are definitely trying times, and uh, I'm confident that your advice can help some other folks out. Frank, we'll get through this. We've done it before. We're a nation of survivors. We've had hard times before. We'll get through this, I assure you. All right. Cheers, Brian. Thank you. Cheers, and thank you for your service as well. Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcast. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, 
Hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here.